This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. A lot to get to today. We'll talk college football playoff a little bit later on. The new uh, the new initial rankings are out. Gophers 20th in the college football playoff. thought that was interesting. Higher than they are in the AP poll. Higher than they are in the coaches poll. And maybe a, a good reason to think about the future and what a 12-team college football playoff might look like because the Gophers aren't that far off of number 12. Talk about the World Series here in a little bit, too. That finished up the other day, um, last night, as it were. Braves finishing things off in six games. Does that provide a lesson for the Twins is a question I want to get into a little bit on today's show. And, of course, Chris Hine will join me here in a little bit to talk about the Timberwolves, talk about the season that has unfolded so far, an eventful six games landing them at 3-3 three and three in an important couple of home games here against the Clippers on Wednesday night and Friday night. So we'll get to get into a lot of different stuff with Chris and give a little bit of update on D'Angelo Russell's status as well. But first... What did I miss? I was starting to worry that uh, Tuesday night's wild game was going to be another one of those Minnesota sports games. We've had a run of them lately where, you know, things have gone good for a while. You know, teams were winning. It had been, you know, forever since somebody lost. And then all of a sudden, you know, the wild lost a couple in a row. The Wolves have lost two in a row. Vikings had that bad loss to Dallas on Sunday night, you know, things had shifted back around pretty much everybody except go for football. And, uh, and we got a nice loons win the other day as well, but it, it, it had shifted and some bad losses to some, some bad teams, uh, ha- had permeated the, uh, the local sports scene. I mean, if uh, Cowboys are not a bad team, the Cowboys are a good team, but losing to Dallas when they're playing their backup quarterback, Cooper rush was, uh, was a bad loss Sunday night. And then the wolves losing to Orlando, on Monday, so then he had the he had the Wild playing against Ottawa on uh, on Tuesday night, and you had the Wild getting off to a quick two nothing lead. It's three one. Next thing you know, though, game is tied. Wilds, you know, into in in a fight with a bad team. Four four. It winds up going to overtime, and you're thinking, okay, well, are they gonna are they gonna lose this game to a bad team? Is this gonna be? Just another in a string of these bad performances for local teams. But then, overtime, Kirill Kaprizov, first goal of the season, gets them the 5-4 win. And that's important here. we got to note this because Wild is now 6-3 and three on the year. Kirill Kaprizov and uh, Kevin Fiala each have exactly one goal on the season. That's uh, That's not great. So, you know, both of them, I, I was looking it up, uh, you, you would expect, you know, at this point they'd have, you know, two, three at least, especially with the amount of shots they've taken. Here's shooting percentage. Kirill Kaprizov, one goal on 32 shots. Kevin Fiala, one goal on 27 shots. Combined, two goals on 59 shots. Their shooting percentage below 4% this year. Um, that's only slightly worse than the Timberwolves would be shooting these days. But, uh, so... You would imagine, if you're looking for signs of optimism or encouragement for the future, it's that those guys will score more going forward. Those are their two most gifted, you know, natural offensive players. And Kaprizov does have seven assists. Got to point that out. Fiala has four assists. Not like they aren't 
you know, finding a way to get on the score sheet. Not like they're not driving offense in a certain way, but you know, Kaprizov getting this deep into the season without a single goal has to has to qualify as a mild upset. And you know, last season their shooting percentages were much much higher, had a much easier time putting the puck in the net. I mean, Kaprizov last year scored on a full seventeen percent of his shots. I mean, he's a he's a sniper. He picks his opportunities and uh, he does it well. So you know. It, it will. I guess what I'm the larger point I'm trying to make is it will get easier for them to score goals as the year goes along. You'd imagine, and even though they're kind of squeaking by with some of these one goal wins, all six of their wins have been one goal wins. Those margins might start to get a little bit more favorable as the year goes along. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake with 24/7 gaming. The good times never have to end, and you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Happy to have Chris Hine back on Daily Delivery. Uh, Chris, got to admit, when I started thinking about doing a Wolves segment this week, I thought it might be a, uh, a happier occasion they were three and one they had beaten milwaukee in milwaukee everybody was happy about you know the the you know coming back after that loss to the pelicans and it was like okay we played as a team everybody's happy then they you know lose to lose to the nuggets and that's i guess that's not a huge amount of shame in that but the nuggets don't have jamal murray and it's a home game so you'd like to think you could you know maybe more often than not win that one and then certainly the orlando game monday night you're like okay Got to have that one. That's a one and six team, and they're up most of that game, and then they lose by like eighteen. Um, Orlando just blitzes them in the fourth quarter. What? First of all, what happened in that game? Well, you know, I think all night long the the offense was struggling, even though they were winning, and they were up double digits in the third quarter. It's not like they had a small lead, but the offense just wasn't clicking. And I think you could just see like the frustration building um, on their faces uh, offensively. And it's just kind of been that way for the last for since the season started here. They they're not making shots. They get frustrated, and you know for the most part they haven't let it bleed into their defense. But in the fourth quarter, it's like Orlando Orlando started hitting a couple shots. They didn't have an answer for it offensively, and they just kind of I don't want to say gave up, but like that was it. Like they seemed resigned to the fact that they were going to lose that game after after Cole Anthony started off fourth quarter by hitting four shots so it was a very weird feeling it was a very it was a very weird thing but a very familiar one when we've seen really bad home losses uh, in recent years here it had more of that feeling kind of that old feeling in the arena a very lifeless dead arena just waiting for the next bad thing to happen and sure enough it did i thought we were beyond that i thought we were happy uh we, we were we were a team that's what we were told you know, they're making they're, everything's good. Every, they're making a leap and, you know, this and that play in and, you know, but playing playing and or playoff teams don't lose to the one and six magic at home. That's just that's just not what you do. Um, and this team, you know, I think last night was a bit of a statement game in, in, the, in a negative sense where it's like maybe, you know, this team isn't uh, isn't as good as they thought it was, uh, isn't necessarily the team that beats the defending champions on the road at home, but is maybe more of 
what we saw last year. They have to they have to go out and prove that they're not what they were before I think people can start believing that. They had a hard time last year sustaining or you know carrying over any sort of level of success and you know maybe it was somewhat encouraging that they managed to win the second game of the season after winning the first but again now we're seeing you know losses after wins and another loss after a loss in this case um you know how much of this is just a team that maybe you know emotionally mentally still kind of has some some growing up to do to a certain degree or or is it more that you're seeing that there's some specific struggles that they're undergoing you know with offensively they just haven't found their rhythm yet yeah i think i think they're i think it's more of a mindset i do i i i you know the fourth quarter there was no reason to to let the defense slip in the fourth quarter the way they did after playing three fairly decent quarters on the defensive end of the floor um, there was no reason for that. And I think it had all everything to do with the fact that they were missing shots. So, you know, th- this is still a young team that, that I think you saw last night can still get in its own head and that's, that can be in a good way or a bad way. And, you know, they get in their own head after the Milwaukee game and they think they're, they're pretty good. You know, they're riding high and now they come crashing back down to earth again. And it's like, it, it, like you said, it's like that cycle from last year, one win, leads to like two or three losses before they, they get in the right frame of mind before they can win a game again. And that's definitely what these last couple of days have felt like, where it's like they've gotten a little a little too comfortable with themselves. And Anthony Edwards alluded to this last night too, uh, talking after the game that he's, he still thinks they're, they're you know riding high off of that Milwaukee win last week. Glad you mentioned Anthony Edwards not get to – you know, the D'Angelo Russell ankle situation and, and you know, what that might mean if he's out for any kind of extended period of time. He did miss the second half of the Orlando game. And even though he wasn't shooting it all that well, I think he was like a plus 15 in that game. So they were definitely better when he was on the court. Um, Anthony Edwards, you know, for the second time, maybe third, maybe more than that, you know, talked pretty extensively at length after a loss about the things they need to get better at. Um Am I mistaken? Am I not hearing the same things from Carl Anthony Towns or is Anthony Edwards just getting more run out of it because he's, he's young and we haven't heard that messaging from him quite yet. I think they all said kind of the same things in, in their substance last night and from Chris Finch to Towns to Edwards, which is that shots just aren't falling right now. Um, And that's part of it. Towns was talking about how, you know, he and the team just have to work harder, focus in on practices better and shoot arounds that the games are won before the game even starts. Um, But I I think what's unique about Edwards is that, you know, we haven't really, we haven't really heard this kind of leadership uh, uh, mentality or, or tone from him. And so I think it's just been interesting as somebody who follows the team closely to follow like, his growth and maturation in this department um, of kind of speaking on behalf of the team, asserting his voice as to what he thinks needs to change or needs to get better. Um, so, you know, we're used to hearing that from Kat, right? But we, we haven't really, we haven't really seen how, how Ed, Anthony Edwards, the leader um, will emerge. And, and I think we're seeing that in the, in the first six games here. You know, Cat has struggled the last couple of games. I think he's like minus 20 something each of those games. He, you know, got into a little bit of a battle with Jokic, and that's always a, a tough matchup. And, you know, just 
offensively, they're just they they look out of sync. It's weird. They're twenty fourth in offensive rating uh, as of Tuesday, and they're seventh in defensive rating. It's like the thing they wanted to fix has been a lot better this year. It's it's the offense that hasn't gotten going. Are they? Are they confused about what is going on here with the offense? Because that was certainly supposed to be a strength. I, I don't I don't think it's necessarily confusion. I, I do think that when you listen to Chris Finch from a week ago to now, a week ago, the the problems were a rhythm and a flow of the offense. Last night was more about missing shots. And you know, you, you could say maybe the offense needs a better flow. Maybe you have to stop taking such open looks, but look, this is where the NBA is at. You know, it's, it's taking 53s a night, you know, and, and things like that. So I, I think, I think if you, if you are looking for a, some silver lining there, the, the, yeah, the talk from last week to this week is not so much the structure and, and executing the offense. It is about just executing the shots. So, you know, it's, it's a small thing. It still results in bad offense, right? Whether you make the, whether you miss the shots or you, you don't, get good shots to begin with but i guess if there is a silver lining that would be it it's that the the execution of the offense is better it's just hitting knocking down those open shots when you have them d'angelo russell hurt his ankle in that uh, you know the second right before halftime i believe of the orlando game didn't play in the second half he's been up and down this year he was not great in their first three games, but he was also, you know, one of their best players in that win over the Bucks, And so it, it does feel a little bit like kind of as he goes, they might go if, you know, we don't exactly know the, probably won't know the severity of it until he's, you know, kind of tested out a little bit more, but if he has to miss any kind of extended amount of time, what does that do to this team? Um, good question. Um, I'm, I'm not sure we have a, a timeline yet on, on how long he's going to be out as, as we record this um, Tuesday afternoon. Um, but I think you're right. And I think this is what, you know, one of the things that we've said coming into the season is that, yeah, as D'Angelo Russell plays, I feel like so does this team. Um, you know, that added dimension that he brings offensively can really lift a team or, you know, when you look up at the box score like last night when he was shooting one for eight, it's like, you know, you have to overcome those shooting struggles on, on a certain night because he's still going to throw up the shots. He's still going to take double-digit shots a night. You know, if he's not making them in a high clip, you have to overcome that. Um, but if he is hitting them in a decent enough clip, I think it just enhances everything around him. It, it, it helps out Towns. It maybe frees up some space for Edwards. Um so yeah, I I definitely think that's a, that's a very true statement that as as he goes, so do the Timberwolves this year. And you know, you look at it, the games that he hasn't played well, they've they've generally lost. Um, the game that he played well, they pulled off their best win of the season. I think I like Jared Vanderbilt um, as the starting you know in the lineup starting lineup more than I liked Josh Kogi. You know, that said, I still don't feel like they're hundred percent settled there. Like they went into the year kind of with this kind of nebulous power forward plan and it's worked out. Okay. What do you, what have you seen in the kind of lineup combinations they've tried to throw in there, trying to give, you know, trying to give themselves any kind of shot at, at getting some rebounds because rebounding, they were just getting crushed in those first few games. They were. And I think it's stabilized um, a little bit like last night, not in the fourth quarter, but uh, 
but I think overall it stabilized uh, against Milwaukee. They did a good job of it. So I do think he adds that dimension that is sorely missing. I think he is a decent fit. Now, when the offense is struggling, you know, will Finch maybe mess with that a little bit in the, in the, in the attempt to jumpstart the offense, but you know, are you giving up then too much on the defensive end and then rebounding with him? So it is a it is very much a a decision he's going to have to make going forward here. But I I generally think that with the way the defense is going and the, and the rebounding effort that he gives, not just on defense but also on offense, um, I think he I think he has earned that starting spot, and I think it's worth more of a look as we as we go forward here. A couple more things um, they've got. But back-to-back home games now against the Clippers Wednesday night and Friday night. Then, you know, it, it kind of ends this, I don't say cushy, but, you know, there were some very winnable games at the start of the year on this schedule when you consider, you know, or what you know what should have been winnable games. You had the Pelicans twice without Zion. You lost one of those. You know, maybe you got one that you probably didn't think you'd get in Milwaukee, but then, you, you know, you lose this one to Orlando. You know, you get the Clippers twice with no... Kawhi Leonard, um, you know, so as you think about that and then think about what's coming up after that, which is a pretty, uh, pretty good little uh, road test. I think they've got, the, they got the Warriors and the Lakers on that road trip and the Clippers too. Yes. And <laughs> they start with, start at Memphis, right? Is that the, uh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is, you know, Memphis is playing pretty well this year too. I think they're above 500. I mean, if you, you know, again, it's you're six games into an 82 game schedule. Does it feel though like these two games against the Clippers are kind of important, just so you don't snowball this into something that becomes a losing streak as you get into some tougher games on the road? Yeah, I think so, and I think that's why, again, why last night was so important too. I mean, if you come into if you come into these two games against the Clippers four and two instead of three and three, you know, there's a chance that you, you know, even if you lose both of them, you still come out of it with a 500 record over your first eight games. And that's, that's not terrible. Right. Um, but now I think it's, it's imperative that you get at least a split here. Um, you have to figure out a way to, to, to win one of these games because as in my short time on the beat, every time uh, they go out West for their first uh, road trip of the season, that's generally where the season goes to die. It is like, that's, the first West Coast road trip is where things happen. It, my first season on the beat, the West Coast road trip, they went like 0-5 or something like that. And by the end of it, they finally traded Jimmy Butler, right? The next year, they got off to a decent start. I think they were like 3-1, and 4-1 and or something like that. They go out West and they, it's, the season starts to snowball in a downward direction on the first West Coast trip. So... And last year, they got pummeled by the Lakers uh, after Towns got hurt, and I think the Clippers a couple nights later um, in, the, in the aftermath of Towns hurting his wrist, and it just set the tone for the entire season. So, so my three previous seasons on the beat, the season has really started to go south when they've taken their first West Coast trip. So I think it's imperative that you get at least one of these games because I just don't have a good feeling and traditionally don't have a good feeling about this upcoming road trip. Do you think, uh, let me answer this and we'll, we'll be done. I'm not sure quite yet how I'm going to answer this, but is this, is this a good team or is this just a team that had a good start? It's a very good question. Actually. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good team, 
I think it might be an okay team. If we can, if we can distinguish between a bad team and a good team, I think, I think it falls somewhere in the middle. You know, I, I think, you know, I think we've seen it too. I think we've seen last week, this is a team that's when, when things are clicking, right. They are capable of beating a Milwaukee on the road, but they're not, you know, they don't have the, what, what, whatever word you want, the maturation, the mentality, the, uh, you know, the, the, the humbleness, uh, or the humility, humbleness isn't a word, humility. I was going to correct you, but you got it. Good. Good job. <laughs> the humility. That's why, that's why I'm a writer for a living. You know, the humbleosity. Uh, <laughs> they don't have the humility to, to turn the page and realize that, you know, any team can beat them. And that when you have a one in six Orlando team coming in here, you can't just walk out and expect to win. Like you're, you know, like you're the 2015 warriors or something like that. Right. You actually have to put in the effort. You have to put in the work. You have to, you have to, you have to just humble yourself to, to realize that you're not at that level yet. And I think they think they're at that level or they thought so last night before Orlando came in and kicked them in the behind in the fourth quarter. Good stuff, Chris Hine. We'll see how this goes. I'm not sure yet if they're good or not, but uh, I think these two games against the Clippers will tell us a little something about where they are mentally at least, so I'm looking forward to that. Enjoy it. Uh, We'll do this again soon, okay? Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Good catching up with Chris Hine. As usual, interesting perspectives from him as always. One thing to note for Wednesday night's game against the Clippers, D'Angelo Russell officially listed as questionable, left that game, like we said, against Orlando with the ankle problem. That's when things went a little bit downhill for them. But if you're looking for a uh, an interesting stat, if Russell can't play tonight, it actually might help the offense based on what we've seen so far this season. The Wolves, when D'Angelo Russell has been on the court this season, have an offensive rating of just 99. That's not great. 99 uh, for for the Wolves' offensive rating when D'Angelo Russell's on the court. When he's off the court, offensive rating is 105. That measures points per 100 possessions, and that's per basketball reference. So, you know, I don't think that's all D'Angelo Russell's fault, but he certainly has had a slow start to the season. Maybe... Maybe things pick up a little bit when he, if if he's not able to play, it'd be interesting to kind of see how that would work offensively for the Wolves. One other thing of note for the Timberwolves this season: their turnover percentage, sixteen point four percent. That's that's the number of times they're turning it over per, you know, per hundred possessions. That's twenty sixth in the league, and their defensive rebounding percentage is still dead last in the league. Hard to get out in transition when you're not getting defensive rebounds or you're having to keep guys in to make sure you do get those defensive rebounds. So I'll be interested to see how they play without D'Angelo Russell if they have to play without him on Wednesday night. Let's shift our attention to the World Series. Got a few thoughts on this. First one being Trevor Plouffe, uh, former Twins third baseman on, uh, on Twitter. This was, what? let's find this, the exact date. This was March 31st of this year, 2.01 p.m. Trevor Plouffe, the tweet just says, Atlanta Braves over the Houston Astros in six. That was his World Series prediction right before the season started. And it ends up being exactly right. Atlanta finishes off Houston 
in six games, a you know a route in the in the series clincher in Houston on Tuesday night. Atlanta wins wins it all for the first time since 1995. Now I was a huge Atlanta fan growing up. That has dissipated greatly since I've been in Minnesota for the past quarter century, but still a little bit of a soft spot. So it's a cool win uh, for uh, for me to see that for for me to see them get now. Larger points I want to make. One, they were 44 and 45 at the All-Star break. They were floundering all season long, you know, for the first half of the season, beset by injuries, underperformance, things like that. And would have been pretty easy for them to just kind of say, well, it's not our year. This just isn't happening. They get to the trade deadline, though, and they're, you know, they're in a division that's winnable, and they go for it. They they acquire a whole bunch of outfielders. They get uh, Eddie Rosario, of course, who we've talked about plenty here, Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson, and they say, okay, you know, I think we can still win this year. I don't think this season is officially over just yet. And what ends up happening? Well, Eddie Rosario has a huge playoffs. is great for them down the stretch. Um, ends up being named NLCS MVP. Um, and you know has a pretty good World Series too. The batting average is down a little bit, but they had him at the top of the order. He got on base a lot, kind of did his job. Jorge Soler, World Series MVP, his three-run home run in Game Six, one of three home runs he hit in the series, and really kind of got kind of jump-started them on their way to uh, to that to that Game Six win and that World Series championship. So, I guess the point I'm making is the Twins all year were saying, "How oh, we just got it? I still think we can turn this around." I still think there's a possibility that this team is better than we think. You know, a team like Atlanta that had expectations coming into the season but was underperforming uh, a long way through. I mean, they were well, they were only five games worse than the Braves at the All-Star break. So I guess in retrospect, wasn't quite as, as crazy to think the Twins could have done something like that. But uh, it's still, you know, it, it's still amazing what Atlanta was able to do. I mean, they were under 500 at the All-Star break. They wind up with 88 wins at the end of the year. Plenty of teams had way more in the postseason. You know, you know the Giants and the Dodgers both had over 100. Houston, you know, was a, a better regular season team than Atlanta as well. But in the end, the right combination of getting hot and getting good pitching proved to be the difference for Atlanta, just like Trevor Plouffe predicted seven months ago. Let's finish up with the cooler. Like I mentioned at the outset, Gophers football team enters the initial college football playoff ranking at number 20. Significant in a couple of ways. First, the highest team in the Big Ten West, just barely, but that does show how uh, how their position is uh, is being lifted up a little bit. Iowa, number 22. Wisconsin, number 21. Gophers, number 20 showdowns looming against Wisconsin and Iowa in the final four games of the season that will largely tell the story of what uh, ends up happening with the Gophers this year. Um, much higher than they are in the AP poll and college football, you know, and, and in the uh, coaches poll, they were, you know, if you go to the also receiving votes, they're out there 30th and 31st respectively in those two polls. So obviously getting more love from the college football playoff committee. The biggest thing I want to talk about, though, is as we think about the Gophers going forward in the future and college football talking about going to potentially a 12-team playoff here at some point, 
this, you know, these initial rankings and thinking about, you know, how high they could get if they're able to beat Wisconsin and Iowa, again, not easy tasks by any means, but possible tasks this year, and thinking about, well, back in 2019 when they were, you know, cruising along in that season where they got as high as number eight in the college football playoff rankings, not not within real huge shouting distance of cracking that top four. A lot of things would have had to break right, but at number eight at a certain point, you can certainly see finishing the season in the top 12 because you've already been that high. So I'm just made me think again about how the possibility of moving to a 12-team playoff is a game-changer for a program like the Gophers, one that, you know, in its best year might not be able to crack the top four, but certainly could get into that conversation for cracking the top 12. And I feel like this season could be one of those. Obviously, we're not to a 12-team playoff yet. It's still the four-team playoff. going to be hard to get there, especially after that loss to Bowling Green. They'd have to basically run the table here, win the Big Ten championship game, and that's still might not be enough based on where they are. But, you know, thinking about it going forward, a 12-team playoff, that would suit a team like the Gophers and give them a realistic chance of getting into uh, the tournament, at least, to win a national championship. That will do it for me here today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, should be a good show coming up on Thursday. Going to have some college basketball talk with Marcus Fuller. And um, you know, getting ready for the Gopher season starts in just a few days. He's got a big Ben Johnson story coming out in uh, in the Sunday's paper, I believe. So I want to talk to him about the season and that story. Good stuff coming up the rest of the week as well. Hope you will listen. Thanks for joining me here today. We'll be back at it on Thursday.